Hide and Seek. It is a timeless classic. It is always a favorite in the Howard household. And I've often thought that this building would be particularly good for a game of hide and seek. There are so many nooks and crannies, little rooms and things to hide in. Uh, Not to give the kids any ideas. Please do not hide from your parents after the service. They may never find you. It's kind of a labyrinth in here. Uh, Let me ask you, though, which do you prefer, hiding or seeking? It's kind of a challenging question. In our house, I end up doing a lot of hiding. Uh, And if I'm honest, I, I struggle finding creative ideas of places to hide. Uh, And yet hiding can be great because there's nothing like that thrill of the other person walking right past where you're hiding and and them not seeing you. Uh, Seeking can be fun too, but I I admit I find it a little bit frustrating, kind of, uh, especially if there's a lot of people to find. There's always that person who finds a place to hide that you can never find. Uh, Well, why do I bring that up? Well, the theme of uh, seeking and finding in particular is central uh, to the passage that is before us. Uh, It starts with two disciples seeking Jesus out. Uh, And as you go on through, you find uh, there is a lot of finding. In fact, I encourage you, uh, even you could look through the passage and circle every time you see the word find or found, it appears again and again. In verse 41, Andrew finds Simon. Verse 43, Jesus finds Philip. Verse 46, Philip finds Nathaniel. And of course, the key thing is that all of them find Jesus, Uh, by which I mean they come to realize who Jesus really is, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Christ. And yet, ultimately, what I want to suggest is this, that what this passage is really about is not so much these men finding Christ. No, it's about the fact that Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, all of these men are found by Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the one who is really doing the seeking um, in this passage. Uh, You see, no matter who you are, all of us are being sought by Jesus Christ. Uh, And that is why he came. He tells us to seek and save the lost. In fact, through his word, it's like he's saying uh, to us, ready or not, here I come. uh, And listen, I'm going to find you. And so that no matter who we are, all of us can be found by Jesus Christ, even this morning. And that becomes clear as we think about the different characters that we see in our text. Now, I think it's interesting that John starts his gospel this way. Uh, We began, first of all, with that glorious prologue at the start of chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. And then last week, we we, we saw the testimony of John. Uh, It's not about him. It's all about Jesus. And we might expect John at that point to just dive in, to begin telling us all about Jesus, the amazing miracles he did, the signs he performed, uh, the amazing teaching that he gave. And yet instead, he tells us about these early disciples, Andrew, Simon, Philip, Nathaniel. Why? Uh, Well, before we read on, I think he wants us to know how we uh, fit into the story. You see, each of these people encounters Jesus Christ in in a slightly different way. They each have a, a slightly different approach. Uh, We might even say that each of them has a slightly different attitude to spiritual things, and certainly we could say the same is true in the world today. Uh, When it comes to Jesus or Christianity or or spiritual things in general, we find a whole spectrum of responses, don't we? Uh, At one end, some people, we would say, are seekers. Uh, They have a sense that that there has to be something more. Uh, They're seeking, looking to find God or looking to find uh, something extra in a whole range of different ways. Uh, And yet it turns out that actually the majority of people actually are not seekers like this. Uh, In fact, that might not surprise you if you try to engage people. Uh, In a recent study, as many as 7 in 10 people say they are not on a quest for spiritual truth. Uh, That's quite informative as we seek to have spiritual conversations. 
In fact, most people are quite cynical about religion, uh, about Christianity specifically. And so if we have seekers on the one hand, what do we have on the other hand? Well, on the other hand, we could say we have the skeptics, uh, people who won't believe without hard facts, people who quite honestly have a much more dismissive attitude. And now I don't know where you stand today, how you're wired, are you more of a seeker, are you more of a skeptic? Well, whichever you are, we find both in this passage, that's the point. And what I want to do in the next few moments is actually look at, at them. We're going to look firstly at the seekers, then we're going to look at the skeptic, and then I want us to see that both of them are sought by Jesus. The seekers, the skeptic, the sought. That's going to be our, our outline this morning. Uh, the seekers, the skeptic, the sort. And so let's begin with these two seekers. Uh, we meet them first in verse 35, the seekers. Look at verse 35. Uh, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And now this is what we saw last week, if you were here. That, that the focus of John's ministry was not to draw attention to himself, but to draw it away from himself and to point other people to Jesus. And it turns out that it worked. Look at verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this, and so, so they followed Jesus. And then we get this exchange between Jesus and these two men. Verse 38, Jesus turned and he saw them following him and said to them, what are you seeking? And this is what I want us to see here. Uh, that these two men truly are seeking something. As we read, it seems on the surface that they're simply looking for the place that Jesus lives. Uh, but clearly there is something much deeper going on. Uh, I mean, even before these men met Jesus, uh, we could say they are certainly already on a quest. Uh, we're told they're disciples of John. Uh, now, the John being referred to is not the one who wrote this book. We're talking about John the Baptist. Uh, John was a controversial, revolutionary kind of religious figure. In fact, uh, we might even say he, he was a bit of a weirdo. He hung out in the wilderness, baptizing people, calling them to God, calling them to repentance. Uh, he was popular for a while, for sure, but, but listen, not everyone was a disciple of John. No, no, this sets these two men apart, particularly. Uh, at the very least, we could say these men had a sense of their, their spiritual need. I mean, why did they go to John in the first place? It's like that colleague at work who tells you that they go to the synagogue or the temple or, or perhaps to church every week. You already know off the bat that they are their spiritual, religious kinds of people. Uh, they're seeking something somewhere. Uh, that is why they're disciples of John. And, uh, and therefore, I'd suggest that the question Jesus asks really works on two levels. What are you seeking? Jesus asked that in verse 38. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where do you live? Uh, that's what they want to know. But we have to ask why. Why do they want to know where Jesus lives? Well, they want to be taught by him. Uh, they want to know if, if what John has said about him is true. Uh, could this be the one, the one they were hoping for, the long-awaited Savior written about in their scriptures? Uh, what are you seeking? Really, it's, it's an awesome question, isn't it? It gets to the heart, whether you consider yourself a seeker or not. It's a question we should perhaps all ask ourselves. What are you seeking in life? What are you seeking at home, in your workplace, at school? What drives you? Why are you here? Maybe specifically, why are you here in church this morning? You see, I suspect all of us are, are seeking something. We might not have a name for it. Maybe it's something vague, like a sense of, of wellness, of wholeness, of purpose, of meaning. And if you agree with me, if you are indeed a seeker, don't you just love the response given by Jesus? Uh, 
He doesn't just give them his card or his address and set up an appointment with them. Uh, No, look at what he says to them in verse 39. Uh, These men are seeking Jesus because they wonder, is this the one? Uh, Could this be the Christ? And and look at how Jesus answers in verse 39. Uh, He said to them, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Just as the question works on two levels, surely there's something deeper going on here, isn't there? Uh, This is an invitation by Jesus Christ Come and find out, he says. Come and discover for yourself. Uh, And this isn't just an invitation for these two men. Uh, No, this is an invitation uh, through God's word to you and to me. Uh, What does Jesus say to the seeker? He says, come and see. Uh, What are you seeking, he asks. Look into your heart deep down. Ask yourselves, uh, what are you seeking? And then come and see for yourselves if I am what you need. And bring me your questions and see for yourself if I am the one who has the answers. Jesus invites us to come and see, to discover for ourselves uh, if he is the Christ. It's like that time that uh, one of the men here in church organized a a guy's night out to the movies. Maybe you were a part of it. Uh, A Top Gun Maverick had just come out, and uh, this guy was hoping to round up a few of us to go and see it together. And now, of course, this particular person had seen it before, And uh, that was actually the very reason that he wanted all of us to see it. Uh, He liked it so much that his wife told him he should get a bunch of guys together and go and see it again. I'm guessing that she didn't want to see it again with him. Uh, And so he did. But but listen, couldn't he just have talked us through the plot? Couldn't he just have said, look, you know, uh, I love the movie. Let me tell you what I loved about it. And yet that isn't how it works with a movie, isn't it? No, to appreciate, you have to come and see it yourself. You can't just read out the synopsis. No, you have to experience the action. And so it is with Jesus Christ. He invites us to come and see, to come and see something far greater than Top Gun. Sorry, Tom Cruise. He invites us to experience his grace and his love for ourselves as the psalmist writes, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you think about it, what a great way to start this book, the Gospel of John. You see, this book isn't just a synopsis of Jesus' life. No, no. from the very start, uh, John wants us to dive in and experience the action. Uh, this is a book written so that we can come and see. I, I mean, we weren't literally there ourselves. We can't literally see, but yet we can watch the live action replays. And we can do this through the testimony of people who did see. John is written by an eyewitness. As someone has said, we can be ear witnesses to the truth. As we read through John, we can see what Jesus is like. We can, we can see him. We can come and see him for ourselves. And so if you're perhaps not a Christian, uh, but would consider yourself a seeker, let me invite you to come and see. Come and see. Keep coming back to church to learn about Christ. But then, then actually after the service, go home, read uh, through John's gospel. In fact, at the back, I knew I was going to say this, so at the back I put some copies of the Gospel of John. Uh, you can find them over there by uh, the offering box. Uh, take one of these home. Make this a New Year's resolution to read it through. Uh, come and see Jesus Christ for yourself. Uh, and this is true, I think, even if perhaps you're already somebody who considers yourself uh, committed to another faith, another religion. Even if that is true in, in one sense, that's kind of true of these disciples of John, isn't it? They're disciples of John, and yet they, they, they wander away from John. They want to find out about Jesus. And I encourage you, take some time to explore the radical claims of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to encourage the kids amongst us especially. Come and see. 
If you uh, don't have a Bible at home, then, then talk to your parents. Make sure they go out and buy one for you. And if you're able to read, read the Gospel of John for yourself. And, and if not, ask one of your parents to read the Gospel of John to you. There might be all kinds of stuff you don't understand in there. That's okay, but, but you can always ask God to help you. Because no matter who we are, old and young, religious or irreligious, this is God's invitation. Come and do what these two men did. I mean, we read in verse 39 that they did come, they did see. In fact, they stayed with Jesus all day. And as they did, they began to have their eyes open to the truth. They did begin to see. And this much is clear from Andrew's response, isn't it? What's the first thing he does? Well, he runs to get his brother. Uh, Verse 41, he says to him, we have found the Messiah. Uh, He indeed is the one. And so what does he do? Well, he invites invites, uh, Peter to come and see for himself. Uh, And this, I know, is the story of many of us. Uh, We were invited to come and see by someone just like like Andrew. Uh, Maybe we were seeking something out there. Uh, Although perhaps we admit we were looking in all of the wrong places. And then at some point, our quest led us to Jesus Christ. We began to come to church. We began to listen to sermons or watch online videos. For me, I stumbled on Christian radio. Uh, At least one of you I know began reading the Gospel of John, and and that's what did it for you. Uh, And as you did, you began to to find that you were uh, were looking uh, for something, and what you were looking for was found in Jesus Christ. For Jesus welcomes seekers. He invites seekers to come and see. That's, that's the first kind of pa- person we see in this passage, isn't it? We are invited to come and see. And there's an invitation especially to the seekers. And yet, as I said at the start, seekers today are in a minority. By far, the majority of people aren't seeking at all. In fact, most people are quite skeptical. Now, There's probably fewer skeptics in church than there are in the world. And yet, let's move on to to consider this skeptic in our passage here this morning. Uh, The skeptic, that's the second point. Well, what is a skeptic? Just to make clear what we're talking about here. Uh, A skeptic is someone who tends to question or doubt. Someone who tends to question or doubt. Kids, think of uh, the times your parents ask you to do something and you immediately respond with that word parents love. Why? Why? Uh, Well, that can be our attitude to God, can't it? Uh, We can tend to question or doubt what uh, what God says or or Christians claim about Jesus. And that is what we see from the skeptic in our text today. The person I'm referring to is this man, Nathaniel. Uh, He's introduced to Jesus by his friend Philip. Look at verse 36 with me. Uh, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of of Joseph. In other words, Philip, like Andrew, is convinced, so convinced that he now, like Andrew, becomes a very eager evangelist. Immediately he goes to tell his friend. But notice Nathaniel's response. In fact, it's very similar to the response that you might meet with when you try to introduce your friends to Jesus. Listen to the doubt in his tone. In fact, he's more of a skeptic. He's more of a cynic. Look at verse 46. I love this response. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, that takes a whole different flavor when you live in the Lehigh Valley, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, it's not that Nathaniel prefers Allentown or Bethlehem or Eastern, that he's got something against that, uh, that great city of Nazareth. Uh, now, what he's expressing is the fact that, that what Philip says just frankly sounds unbelievable. 
It would be like your friend telling you they just came back from a trip to the moon. Right, you'd say, well, maybe you could show me some photos. And without evidence, doubt uh, in such radical claims is surely to be justified. You'd assume they just had an overactive imagination. In a similar way, uh, skepticism about God, skepticism about Christianity seems to be justified at times also. I mean, all of us can be prone to be skeptical, can't we? I mean, I have to admit, as an Englishman, I particularly have a soft spot for Nathaniel. I mean, without Nathaniel, we might think Andrew, Peter, Philip, the only reason then they believed in Jesus was because they were simple-minded. These men were just gullible fishermen. But not Nathaniel, no. He won't believe without proof. That's the point you see. In one sense, Nathaniel was a seeker, but he was a seeker after, not spirituality, but a seeker after truth. He was a man in whom there was no deceit. He loved the truth. And yet what he's hearing from Philip doesn't sound true. Sure, a Messiah from Nazareth. Is that a flying pig that I see behind you? And to be honest, I can understand those who approach Jesus in this way. Uh, Really, you're telling me the future of the world depends on a, a crucified Jewish carpenter? I have to admit, it sounds like a stretch, doesn't it? Even the claim that somehow the hope of the world is in Christianity, right, you can look at the history of the world and wonder, is is it part of the problem rather than the solution? I mean, think about all of the terrible things that have been done in the name of Jesus Christ. Many great things, but yes, many terrible things also. And all of those things, I think, justify a certain level of skepticism. And yet, here is the good news. The same study I mentioned uh, earlier suggests uh, that at least 44% of non-believers said they might be interested in Christianity if they had more evidence, more proof for it. Uh, There are quite a lot of Nathaniels out there. Uh, People will believe, but only if they are convinced that it is true. And maybe that's where you stand today. Maybe that's where some of our kids stand as you've grown up reading uh, the Bible. You're starting to ask your own questions. Uh, Well, if so, listen, what we discover here is that the Bible was written for you. In fact, I love this. The gospel opens with with this man, Nathaniel, but but if you know the gospel of John, you'll know it ends with that another man, Doubting Thomas, also. In fact, it's bracketed by people who seem to struggle to believe, uh, people who won't believe without a fight, people who need to be convinced that this is true. Uh, And listen, if that's where you stand, if if you're just like Nathaniel, look at what God says to you. Uh, Look at his invitation here. Look at verse 46 again. Uh, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? There's his skepticism on display. Uh, But look at what Philip says. In fact, you've heard this before. Uh, What God says to the seeker, he says to the skeptic, come and see. Uh, There's the invitation again. In other words, no matter who you are, seeker or skeptic, What do we find? Well, we find Jesus extending the exact same invitation. Because no matter who you are, God invites you to check this out for yourself, to explore this for yourself. Don't take my word for it, says Philip. Don't take my word for it either. No, you need to encounter Jesus for yourself. And how can you do that? Well, the same way I mentioned earlier. I believe that John puts this up front at center at the beginning of his gospel because he wants to extend this invitation to all of us. It's like he's saying, keep reading, come and see, whether you're a seeker, whether you're a skeptic. That is why these two kinds of people with these two attitudes are here at the very start. It shows us that John isn't just writing to to spiritual or religious people. 
Uh, no, he's writing this for all people. Uh, from seekers who are all the way over here, who are, who are ready to become Christians, to, to hardened skeptics who, who, who just seem to reject everything without giving it a moment. And no matter who you are, God calls you to come and see. He invites you to keep coming back, maybe here to church, to keep reading, to keep pressing in, to keep asking your questions, to keep insisting on evidence. Come and maybe you'll uh, arrive at the same conclusion. Come and see. Maybe you'll come and arrive at the same conclusion as Andrew and Peter and Philip and uh, then we discover Nathaniel. I mean, these men start out in different places, but they end up drawing the same conclusion, don't they? Look at verse 49. Nathaniel answered Jesus, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He ends up being convinced, and, and maybe you will too, but you have to come and see. You have to explore for yourself these claims of Jesus. And so we've said John opens with the seeker and he introduces us to the skeptic. And hopefully you can see yourself in one of those. Hopefully you can see that the gospel of John is for you here this morning. Uh, you see, all of us tend to be wired slightly differently, don't we? Uh, we all, because of our backgrounds, uh, often have just slightly different approaches. And yet Jesus invites us to come and see no matter who we are. Uh, we see the seeker and then we see the skeptic. Uh, and yet, before we close, uh, I, I want to say one more thing. Uh, because let's go back to hide and seek for a moment. Based on what I've just said, let me ask you this. Uh, who is seeking? Who is hiding? Uh, it would be easy to draw the conclusion, wouldn't it, that, that God is the one doing the hiding. Uh, sure, people have different approaches. There are different ways to find him, seekers and skeptics. But, but we're all finding him in one way or another, aren't we? Well, I would say a big fat No. Uh, before we close, we have to be clear. We have to step back. We have to actually view things the other way around because that's what's really going on in this passage. And so let's conclude with this final point, the sort, uh, the sort, S-O-U-G-H-T, by the way. That's what I mean by sort. Uh, and the point here is this. To get the big picture, we have to understand uh, who's doing the hiding here. The answer is us. And actually, we are being sought by Jesus. Now, why do I say this? Well, firstly, notice right in the middle of our text, we do see two people who are not seeking at all. Uh, we have Peter, who we read about in verse 41. He was found by Andrew. And then perhaps even more striking, in, in verse 43, we see this even more direct approach. We, we discover that Philip was found by Jesus. In fact, when I was originally preparing this sermon, I, I had three points, and I was going to make this point number two. There are the seekers, the disciples of John, and then there are the sort, people like uh, Peter and Philip, uh, one sought by men, the other sought directly by God. And then there are the skeptics like Nathaniel, uh, maybe suggesting there are three different ways, some people who are seeking, some people who, who are skeptical, and some people who, into whom God just invades their lives. And uh, it would have preached quite well, I think, but uh, the problem is I think it's missing the big picture of this passage. I mean, we have to ask from the start, why is Jesus even here? Why is he even there walking around the, the streets of Galilee? Well, he tells us in verse 51, he's there to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. As we read earlier, he is the Son of God incarnate. He is God who has come to earth. And why has he come? Not so that we could seek him. In fact, we, we spend our lives rejecting him. No, he came to show us his grace. He came to save. In other words, the whole book of John isn't about man's quest for God. No, it's about God's 
quest for man. It's about how Jesus has come to save us. It shows us the lengths that God was willing to go to in order to make sinners, uh, seekers or skeptics, his beloved children. And so it turns out, actually, there are hints all along that Jesus is the one in charge. Even those disciples who begin to follow him, we see he's the one taking the lead. He draws them out. What are you seeking? Come and see. Jesus is in charge. And in fact, we see it with Peter, don't we? We find that even as, as Peter comes to Jesus, it's not so much about what Jesus, uh, not so much about what Peter discovers about uh, Jesus, but about what Jesus already knows about Peter. And even before this skeptic Nathaniel came, we actually discover that Jesus, the Son of God, was watching him and watching him very closely. Because it turns out whether we're seekers or skeptics, Jesus actually knows us better than we know ourselves, which is, of course, an encouraging thing, but also incredibly challenging. He knows what we need to draw us out. He knows what we need to be convinced. And so it turns out that this whole passage reads really almost like the whole thing is staged. God himself has set this up. He uses people like John the Baptist, like Andrew, people like Philip, and and sometimes he just intervenes in people's lives directly. But all along, the point is Jesus is the one who's doing the seeking. That's really what I want you to see. Uh, So that whether you would consider yourself a seeker or a skeptic, uh, Jesus knows you better than you know yourself, and, and Jesus is seeking you. In fact, even now, he's orchestrating the details of your life. Uh, Yes, so that you can seek after him and and know him, but ultimately, uh, because he's seeking after you. And this is what Christianity is all about. It's what the gospel of John is all about. And this is why Christianity is both for seekers and for skeptics. Uh, Because at its heart, Christianity is about God coming down to earth to bridge the gap. It's about him finding us and drawing us out of hiding. After all, God is not the one who's hiding. No, he's revealed himself. It's us in our sin who hide from God. Uh, We find that often even our seeking, even our skepticism is really just a smokescreen. But God has sought us out. He is seeking you out. In fact, that is why you are here this morning. You are here either because God has already sought you out and he's brought you to himself already, or you're here because he's seeking you out now. He's drawing you to himself now. Uh, Slowly but surely, he's working to convince you. Uh, He's calling you to follow him. Uh, And listen, whoever you are, wherever you are, seeker or skeptic, uh, let me encourage you. Uh, No one plays hide and seek better than God. And maybe you're worried you've strayed too far. Maybe you're worried that there's no way he could find you. Uh, Well, if so, be assured by his grace that you can trust him. And so uh, he invites you. Let me close with that invitation again. Come and see. Seekers and skeptics, come and see. Uh, Come and discover for yourself the Savior who seeks you. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you so much uh, for uh, the glorious truth of this text, that no matter who we are, our mindset, our attitude toward you, uh, that you sent your son to seek us out and to save us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet us where we are, that, that you would draw us out, that you would lead us to yourself by your grace, by your spirit. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.